And welcome back to the Murdy Creative Co. Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Murdy, and today we're going to talk about vendors. But first, let's talk about our website. If you haven't got a chance, please go check out our website, murdycreative.co. That's M-U-R-D-Y creative dot C-O. Or you can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at at murdycreative.co to see some amazing photos of our leather binders. They are the best leather binders you can buy. They make phenomenal gifts or presents for uh, your boss, your coworker, your spouse, anybody you like, or frankly, people you don't like. You can get them personalized, customized in every which way if you want to really see the best of what we can do for our laser engraving on our website click on the shop and then check out our pre-engraved options our master's collection is all about really uh really emphasizing and showing off some of the best discoveries and best amazing works of the uh the masters so we've got uh, da vinci leonardo da vinci's anatomy and we've got uh, the founding fathers with the declaration of independence and the constitution so go ahead and check those out if you really want to see something cool all right, let's talk about vendors. For a lot of uh, small businesses, being able to create and cultivate good relationships with your vendors is such an important and really kind of difficult thing to do at times. So when you're in a large business, which was the one I came from, there's this concept of merchandising and there's a lot of times there's people who are specifically designated to work with domestic and international vendors who are manufacturing and producing products and they're oftentimes are doing boxing and labeling and you have to be able to kind of make sure that all of those things are compliant with all of the laws and regulations that come into play. The other things that really come into play are things like uh, agreements from a payment perspective, net 15, net 30, all of the things about when is people when are people going to get paid when and by how what ways and all of the other nonsense that goes along with that. So that's an important part of merchandising and a lot of people really kind of are, are dealing with those kinds of things in large companies. But when you're a small company, you may not really have the expertise or the, the experience to really deal with a lot of the challenges that come with relating to vendors. For us, we had an interesting problem right away when we first got started. So we got started in, in February, as many of you know. And we were working on developing a good product, and I had cultivated an amazing relationship over a couple of years, actually, with my original vendor in uh, Minnesota. We'd gotten along very well, and we'd worked on projects for a while, and so when I finally uh, had gotten really growing, we were all of a sudden, we were making some real momentum, we had a pretty good advertising team going, we, everything was really rolling, and... I was uh, I was talking to her about forecasting with sales, and she let me know. She goes, oh, by the way, we're going to run out of your leather in about two weeks or three weeks here. To which point I was kind of freaking out because that was like a what? That What do you mean we're going to run out? Well, she explained to me that they were actually bulk breakers, that they had a large tannery that they purchased from where, um, for example, companies like Prada or Allen Edmonds would go to the tannery and say, we need a million square feet of this leather for our shoes or our purses or whatever. And the tannery would make a million square feet. And then eventually they would come back and say, oh, well, we only really needed 900,000. And so the tannery would get stuck with, you know, 100,000 square feet. And so they package it up. They bulk, uh, bulk ship it on pallets to these uh, bulk breakers, and then people like this uh, company would sell them by the side as individual things that you could purchase to the consumer like me. And so for me to actually be able to get the same color that I loved was going to require a custom order, which was going to cause my cost of goods sold to double easily. Well, that was going to be a real problem. So I bought the rest of what they had for the leather, and I frantically began searching. I had a couple of vendors that I dealt with 
um, a little bit in various places around the country. And I knew that there were, I, I, I thought to myself, you know what, let's take this challenge, which it was a pretty big challenge. Let's take this challenge and turn it into an opportunity. That's always the goal is to figure out how can we take this, this horrible thing that's gone wrong and, you know, try to work on solving it and uh, turn it into something that we can use for growth. So what we ended up doing is we looked for tanneries in the area, and we thought to ourselves, we spent so much money shipping this leather all over the place. What if we figured out a way to do it locally so we could only have to ship it a little ways and we could do it on big trucks? And so we found a local tannery in Milwaukee, and I got to take a tour of the plant with the vice president, which was an awesome opportunity. If you ever are in the Milwaukee area and you're looking for something really cool, call up Thiele Tanning and see if you can figure out if you can get some time to go tour their plant. It's just beautiful. It's really fascinating, and they've been around for a really long time. So we've been working on, uh, we were working with them on, on kind of discussing what it would take for us to get a custom leather made, and we worked with them for quite a while, and we had a sample of our previous leather, and we said to them, can you copy this? Can you mimic this? And they said, you know, we can probably get close. It's difficult to truly copy leather just because of all of the unique aspects of the leather, and that each tannery kind of has their own secret formula and recipe that they use, and that's what really helps define and protect each of the tanneries' uh, product. So we ended up saying to them, okay, well, can you can you get uh, close to it? That'll be good for us. And so they kind of got started on a little ways. They, what they said was, is, well, we're making a similar sample for another company right now. It takes about four to six weeks to make the sample. Why don't we wait until that sample gets finished, and then you can take a look at it and see if it's close enough, and if it's not, we can work on figuring out ways to kind of tweak the recipe rather than having to start from scratch. Well, the other issue that had come into play was that not only did I have my my uh, tannery in uh, in Minnesota as a as a partner, they actually did a lot of the clicking for us. So our parts uh, in the beginning are hand cut, and we design them, and we work in hand cutting them. And then what we end up doing is we create a custom uh, die, like a cookie cutter, for them to be pressed out of the leather. It helps create uh, the same kind of quality every time. It helps with speed and accuracy, and all of the other good things that go along with making a, a product scalable. And so what we'd ended up doing was we had contacted them and said, well, if we can source this leather from a different location, can you still do the, the clicking for us, the, the cutting for us? And they said, well, they're not really able to. Well, that put us in a kind of a weird place. So we, had the, we were able to get the leather, although we needed to buy a lot of leather at the time. At least it was a lot of leather for us. Now it's nothing. We go through that in two weeks. But um, at the time, it was a lot of leather. And so we... We were kind of frantic, and we were like, well, what are we going to do? And so I ended up, uh, was able to find a, a, a local, another local um, gasket company that did uh, some cutting, and we were able to work with them on kind of figuring out what it would cost to cut it. And in all of this, I was actually working on uh, meeting with uh, other suppliers, other tanneries, asking them what their capabilities were, getting samples, swatches, and what ended up happening was almost serendipitously, we'd been walking down this path with this one supplier for a long time. We'd been taking a couple of weeks. We were really working on it. And serendipitously, we kind of came across this other one, and we, we were reviewing their stuff, and we're like, this is beautiful. This is perfect. This, this espresso leather is almost the same color. It's a little lighter. Um, it's not quite as, as dark, but it's just as beautiful. And we thought to ourselves, this is great. Let's use this. And they actually were able to do the cutting for us, and they were able to give us a per-piece price and all of these other things that we were looking for, and so it really worked out for us. But I met with them right away and I said to them, you know, one of the things that's important for us is that we're able to continue to have this be provided at a regular rate and, a, and, and it's something that we're not going to run out of because we've been down this path before and it really is a problem. And they did a great job, you know, really assuring us that, nope, this is, this is tanned locally, we've, we, we're, we've got a good relationship with the tannery, we know, um, we know them and we can make sure that we can always basically have this. And so that's how we got started with the new, 
the new supplier. And one of the things that I think is important when you are evaluating relationships with suppliers and vendors is this. You want them to think of you as a valuable client. I think it's easy when you're in business school or when you're thinking of your new idea to come up with a way to say, okay, you know what? We need to figure out how to squeeze our vendors for every last dime. We need to get the price down as low as we possibly can. We need to, to be able to figure out the best and kind of cheapest way to do this from a vendor cost standpoint. And I think the problem is what you do is you essentially put yourself in a position where the vendor doesn't want to deal with you. Because they're not going to make any money because, and, and you know, you're going to be complaining all the time because things are different and whatever. And so without really being able to provide the vendor the value of your, you know, your business, you don't really have any ability to bargain or leverage when things start to go wrong and you need a little help. So I said to them right away, I said, look, we want to be a valuable customer to you guys. Obviously, good prices are important to us. It's vital for us to be able to, to continue to support the, the, the business and, and keep our prices where we thought they should be. But at the same time, we don't want you guys to think of us as, as people that are not are, are trying to cheat you. So that was an important part of building our relationship. And I will be completely honest, it has worked out in our favor so many times. Very, very often we call them and we say, you know, can we up our order significantly? And they're right there saying we're happy to help. So I think that when it comes down to it, it's important to continue to keep in mind that it's best for your business if you can make sure that you have a good relationship with your vendor. It's better to say we're going to work on improving our marketing, improving our value for our customers, and creating more sales growth. That's a better way to create profit than either squeezing your employees, if you have them, or squeezing your suppliers. Both of those are, are, are paths to disaster. So I would avoid those whenever possible. If you've got more questions about suppliers, feel free to ask them. I would love to talk to you more about suppliers. In fact, if you've got any questions or topics you'd like me to discuss, I'm happy to talk about them. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, on our website, any of these places. We've got plenty of different ways to contact us, and we would love to hear from you. We really do value our community, and I think that's something we're definitely going to talk about um, tomorrow is, is the goal to talk about community and building that community. We talked about it a little bit with our brand ambassador discussion yesterday, and if you're interested in more about that, please go back and listen to that. Feel free to like and subscribe us, and uh, listen to us everywhere you're listening to us on all of our major podcast apps. So today we're going to do our quick little segment on a day in the life. What I did today was I, one of the things I did today was reading up on the new Prop 65 from California. Uh, California Proposition 65 is all about uh, the, the clear and um, clear labeling at all points of sale for all of the different chemicals that might cause um, cancer or birth defects if you're in relation to them. So I don't know if any of our products do, and we're going to quick go back and double check to make sure that none of those chemicals are used in our tanning process. And if they are, well, we'll walk you through the regulatory process of how we made sure that we were compliant. But in the meantime, please uh, feel free to like and subscribe us, and uh, we, can, uh, we can make sure to get you that information. Have a great day, and uh, please come back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Bye.